Good morning once again. Uh, my name is Wes Holmes, one of the pastors here. It's a delight to be worshiping God with you all this morning. He is present. He is here among us by his Holy Spirit. And we get to hear him speak to us this morning as we come to his word. We're continuing our series through the book of Colossians and we're opening up to Colossians chapter four this morning, which means we're getting near to the end of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And as he's uh, nearing the end of this letter, he's giving some final instructions. And so that's what we're going to be taking a look at this morning together in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. So let's give ear to the reading of God's word. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, as we come to your word together this morning, we do ask that you would speak to us, that you enlighten our minds, that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us, that indeed, Lord, you would lift us up to yourself, that you'd open our ears to receive the good news of Jesus, that we have a Savior who has sealed us, and who has made us yours forever. And so, O Lord, as we consider this passage together, may you be honored and glorified. May you speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Author Paul Tripp begins his book, War of Words, with this observation. I'm going to read an extended quote. He says, No matter where you live, No matter what you do, there is one thing that you do all day long. You talk. From the first, is it time to get up already? To the final, good night, I gotta get some sleep. You talk. In the bedroom, bathroom, hallway, and kitchen, in the car, the store, the factory, in the boardroom, you talk. To your spouse, children, friends, family, Neighbors and fellow workers, you talk. It is what human beings do almost without interruption and often without a thought about how important it is to human life. The ability to communicate is one of the things that separates us from the rest of creation. We are people and we talk. We need to recognize how wordy our lives actually are. Talk seems so normal, so ordinary, so unimportant, so harmless. Yet there are few things we do that are more important. And underneath the normality of it all is a great struggle, a war of words that we fight every day. In our passage this morning, Paul is giving instructions to the Colossians and to us about how to use our words. 
how we speak both to God and to others. And not only that, he reminds us that our words have everlasting ramifications. It's important. It's important. The eternal destiny of people hangs in the balance of words. How do you use your words? In this short section of Colossians 4, there are three main topics that we were going to consider together this morning. First, talking to God. Second, talking to others. And third, the mystery of Christ. Talking to God, talking to others, the mystery of Christ. And as we unpack these topics together, what I want us to hear and walk away understanding is that God is taking outsiders and making them his dear children using our prayers and witness to Christ. God is taking outsiders and making them his dear children using our prayers and witness to Christ. So let's get to it. The first topic, talking to God. Talking to God is the essence of prayer. Do you talk to God? It seems, though, that human nature itself is hardwired for prayer. Everyone, in one way, shape, or form, prays. When life is hard, we cry out. When we experience something amazing, we shout for joy. When we burn in anger, sometimes we take God's name in vain. Well, whether it's directed at God or not, it's a natural impulse for all of us, every human being, to talk to something or someone greater than I. Christians, however, are called to talk to God in particular ways, ways informed by what we know of his character, what we know of who God is. So look with me at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. How should we talk to God? With devotion, watchfulness, and thanksgiving. Let's take a look at those ways that we approach God. First, devotion. Perhaps this is the most challenging of the three. <laughs> we are to be regularly and consistently talking to God. And what that means is that we talk to him more than just on Sunday mornings during the prayer times here. We talk with him more than the prayer that we say quickly before our meal because we don't want our food to get cold. We are to be devoted to prayer, giving ourselves our time, our energies. To be devoted to something means that you put it above your own preferences even, your own convenience. You make the time to do it. Man, this is hard. This is hard. There's so many other things that I am more devoted to. But when we think about it, talking to God should be like talking to my closest friend, something that I truly delight in doing, that I love to do. But this friend also happens to have all power and authority and wisdom. And because that's true, 
We should be watchful in our prayers as well. We should be watchful. Watchfulness, or can be translated wakefulness, awake. In prayer, what that means is that we know what's going on around us. Um, what are the important matters in, for prayer in your life, in your neighborhood, in the world? We need to be awake, aware of these things. But this also means, this watchfulness also means that we are awake to how God is pleased to use and answer our prayers. Not only do we know what to pray for, but we look for how God is answering what we've asked of him. But friends, if you're like me, you've grown a little sleepy. Maybe you're even feeling that this morning. You've grown sleepy in your prayer life. Sure, you pray, yeah. But do you look for the answer? Do you look for how God is going to answer your prayer? If, do you expect anything to come of it? We need to wake up. The Lord is on his throne. He hears us when we come to him in Jesus' name. And he answers. And so because God is in control of everything in the world, great and small, we should expect to see him answering the things that we have prayed about. We should expect to see him at work through our prayers. And it's when we begin to watch for how God is answering our prayers that we can truly respond with thankfulness, with gratitude. Right? We're called to be thankful in prayer. That's the third piece of it in this section. Thankfulness, which in many ways, is the primary purpose of our lives. We are to be thankful to God, the God who gives us everything that we have, our food, clothing, shelter, the things we often take for granted. Our very breath and heartbeats come from above. What do we have, friends, that we have not received? So let us give thanks. Let us give thanks to the Lord, even, even in the hard times. Because even when our situation has brought us low, we're still called to be thankful people. Because God is still good. He is still faithful, even when we don't see it. As Christians, we can be thankful because we have a heavenly inheritance that will never fade away, that is kept and stored for us in Christ Jesus. And so we always have a reason to give thanks. And it's for this reason that Paul requests the Colossians to pray for him and his fellow missionaries. He asks in verse 3, right, that they pray for God to open a door to their message. Friends, we have the great privilege of not only praying for ourselves and our needs, but for others and their needs. See, Paul knew that unless God prepared the way for the gospel to go forth, that his preaching and the entire team of missionaries' preaching would be in vain. It would be pointless. All their efforts would... Nothing would come of it. Unless God was at work. And so... It, When we work, 
When we work, we work, right? But when we pray, God works. And so Paul shares his prayer request. He says, please pray that even though I'm in prison, what is he going to do? He's in, he's in the prison cell. That God's word would be unchained. That God's word would move freely into the lives of others. You see, Paul knew that he needed prayer because only God can open the doors to people's hearts. But he also shared this prayer request with the Colossians so that they too could participate with him in his missionary endeavors. They're part of the work with him in prayer. But that brings us to our second topic, talking to others, talking to others. See, it wasn't only Paul who was called to talk to others, but also the Colossians. He says in verses 5 and 6, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So friends, we are to be wise in the way we speak, to speak with grace, especially toward outsiders. So let's unpack this. Let's unpack what's going on here together. What is it to be wise in speech? Part of it is to recognize that as you speak, that God is the Lord even of your words. So we are to talk to others in a way that reflects the character of who our God is, a loving God, a God who hears us. You see, wisdom is something that comes with growth in character and the fear of the Lord. It's not just a skill that you can learn. Wisdom calls us sometimes to be silent and to listen. And at other times, to speak boldly without fear of offending someone. Wisdom helps us navigate complex relationships where we often don't know what to say. Wisdom gives us direction in the gray areas when things aren't just black and white. If you're feeling like, man, I need some of this, <laughs> you're in good company because the good thing is that even when we lack the wisdom to speak in helpful ways, God tells us in James chapter 1 that we can ask him for wisdom and he will give it generously and freely. You see, wisdom comes as a gift from the Lord over time. So friends, let's be asking him for it. This also helps us to be gracious in our speech. Being wise in our speech helps us to reflect God to others in his grace even to us. So to be gracious when speaking with someone else means that we don't stand in judgment over them in the way that we interact. It means that we show kindness even when they are spitting venom. He speaks of our words being sprinkled with salt or seasoned with salt. It's interesting. 
he's really saying, let's use our words for good, right? Um, for our words to be sprinkled with salt, seasoned with salt, means that it's tasty, right? We like salt. Salt is a good thing. It makes our meals more enjoyable. It even has a preservative effect. It can prevent our foods from going rotten. But our conversations can quickly go rotten, especially when we fail to apply the salt of grace to them, the kindness, the free goodness, even when someone is your enemy. Consider Jesus and his manner of speech. Speaking with grace even to his enemies. He calls us now to speak like, like him. Whew. How are we doing with that? How are you doing with that one? We're called to reflect his grace, the grace that he gives to us, to others. This is hard. This is hard. You feel the weight see, the reality is that it's hard for us to speak with wisdom, to speak with grace, because of a deeper issue within each one of us. Jesus tells us that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's not just our words that we struggle with. It's the deepest recesses of our hearts. You see, our heart is that part of us that directs our desires, our feelings. It directs our choices and our will. And our hearts are deeply infected with what the Bible calls sin. The impulse that we all have to speak unkind, judgmental, or harshly critical words to each other, we do it because our hearts are filled with unkindness, judgmentalism, and self-righteous criticism. And if we're honest, that's just how we talk with our closest loved ones. But this instruction from Paul is focused primarily on what he calls outsiders. How do we speak to outsiders? Who are they? Who are the outsiders in your life? First, we need to understand that, that everyone, all of us, have experienced being an outsider. We all know what this is like. Right? When, you, uh, when people, you're hanging out with people who know a lot more about something than you do, you're an outsider, right? This happens to me frequently when uh, people are talking about professional sports. I'm like, yeah, sh sure, that. that. I, I know nothing about professional sports. <laughs> so if you, if you see the blank look across my face when you start talking to me about professional sports, it's because I'm an outsider. <laughs> and I'm not in that world, right? I, you know a lot more than I do. Um, but you're also an outsider when a group is speaking a language that you don't understand. Have you ever been invited to someone else's family gathering? It can get pretty awkward. <laughs> you feel just that sense of, 
you know, I don't really belong here. I mean, unless they do a really great job of like welcoming you in, right? We all know, though, what it's like in some way to be an outsider. But in this context, Paul is specifically referring to those who are outside the family of God, apart from Christ. And you know what? At one point in all, all of our lives, we all were outsiders to God's family. We were born that way in our sin, cut off from God. We are naturally outsiders when it comes to a relationship with God. Just as it's natural for us to speak unloving and disgraceful words because that's what lives in our hearts. But God is in the business of making sinful outsiders part of his holy family. This is the good news, friends. And this is what Paul wants to speak clearly about. Notice he's asking, please pray for me that I would be clear in the way that I speak about this. He wants people to understand that God is at work, even now, right now, bringing outsiders near to himself by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so our third topic, the mystery of Christ. That's the way Paul refers to it. The mystery of Christ. We can talk to God. We can talk to others. But what do we say? Well, when Paul talks about the mystery of Christ, he's talking about the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Christ, the message of God's salvation that he has accomplished by his son, Jesus. It's the mystery of God's grace, his plan to unite all nations under the banner of one Savior, Jesus. The mystery that was concealed in the Old Testament but now revealed in the New you see, Paul really wanted to talk, what he really wanted to talk to others about was the gospel. That Jesus lived and died and rose again to pay for all of our sins, to cleanse us from our guilt and shame, the sin that lives so deeply in our hearts, to bring us near to a holy God who adopts us into his family, a family that lasts forever. You see, Paul wanted to be clear that we don't earn our place with God by our obedience. In fact, we contribute nothing to our standing before the Lord. Only Jesus could fulfill all righteousness, and he did it by his perfect life of obedience. He did it for us. Paul wanted to clearly proclaim that all our sin is washed away by the blood of Christ shed on the cross so that we could have the sure hope of eternal life through faith in him. Listen to this. It's when we clearly hear the message of the gospel that we learn how God has taken us as outsiders to be his own beloved children. God has taken us as outsiders and made us his children. See, Paul knew the treasure of the gospel, Christ who gave himself for us, and he knew that this is what he was made to speak of, 
This is what his mouth was made to declare. And we're made in the image of God. And friends, part of what that means is that God is the original speaker. And his words tell us that though we have sinned and fallen short of his glory, time and again, Jesus came to rescue and to redeem. We who were cut off from the Father, he now fills with his Holy Spirit and he promises us to bring us to an eternal home. And when God speaks, we can count on it. We can bank our lives on it because God cannot lie. He is faithful. He is true. The implication of Paul's desire to speak so clearly of this message, this mystery of Christ, is that we too are called to talk to others about the treasure that we have in Jesus. But first we need to wake up. It's far too easy to be sleepy when it comes to our service to God. We need to pray for doors to open when we speak to others of Christ. We need to realize that God himself is the one speaking and working through us. You see, God uses our prayers for others. He uses our talking of who Jesus is and what he has done for outsiders like us. He uses it to bring salvation to all who believe. You don't have to be a missionary to pray. You don't have to have formal training to talk to others about Jesus. The kids are ready to do it. You don't even have to leave your neighborhood. (laughs) Here in Utah, we have ample opportunity to share of Christ. And we have this awesome privilege to join with God in his work But keep in mind, we do it as people who need Jesus just as much as when we first believed. We're not the ones who ultimately are bringing the results, right? I think we put that pressure on ourselves too often. Friends, we're just farmers. We're planting seeds. We're watering. We can't make the crops grow. We can't change the timeline of when they sprout and produce a harvest. We're just God's farmhands, planting the seed of the gospel and watering that seed with prayer so that one day we can join in the harvest when God brings forth the fruit for his glory. So how about you? How can you be planting a seed in the life of someone What does watering that seed look like? It seems that God even now has brought us into a season of harvest here at JVC. People coming to faith, people believing in Christ. How can we come alongside those who are the young in the faith? Encourage them, support them. These are good questions for us to consider as we conclude. Friends, God is 
even now, taking outsiders and making them his dear children, using our prayers and witness to Christ, as weak as those often are. So may we not think that our words are insignificant, but may we know that in Christ our words can do amazing things. So may we encourage one another in our service to God. May we rest in the fact that Jesus has secured our home with the Father forever. And may we live as thankful farmhands who get to see the harvest in God's field firsthand for his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we are weak, but in our weakness, your strength is perfected. We thank you that you are a God who speaks, and Lord, that you've spoken to us words of grace and mercy, kindness, and love. That Jesus, the Word of God, has dwelt among us and given us a sure hope of life with you. So, O oh Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to speak in such a way that you would show us your goodness and glory, Lord, that you'd show us more and more what you are doing in this world all around us and in us and through us. And so we praise you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.